This is the JWN Podcast. I'm your host, Joseph Meansden. This is a solo show. Me, by myself, talking with you about whatever it is I want to talk about. This is episode number 23, the Michael Jordan episode. I mean, can anyone else use that number? Uh, I don't know. I mean, that's that's his number forever. I imagine there are other players that are fantastic that have used it. I don't know enough about basketball to tell you. It could be like, you know, LeBron James's number for all I know. I know who LeBron James is. I don't know what his number is. Um, if it's 23, then I'm, I'm sounding real stupid. Hold on. Let me look this up. Let me look this up. Hold on. Okay. Yeah. No, I'm stupid. His number is 23. But guess what? You can take 23 and you could be LeBron James, who's famous, but you'll never be Michael Jordan famous. Or maybe, I don't know. Is he? Am I that old? Is LeBron James as famous as Michael Jordan? I don't think so. I don't know. I mean, I know who he is. I didn't know that he had the same number as Michael Jordan. Anyway, that has nothing to do with what I wanted to talk about today. Uh, I'm, I'm super excited. By the way, if you're looking for an interview, episode 22, the episode right before this, is a fantastic interview with a band called Babe Club. And I'm excited today because I bought tickets to an actual concert, an outdoor show. Um, there's a, a venue here called The Bend, which is uh, not too far from where I live. It's it's an outdoor festival-type space that's on the water, and it's a beautiful just field that they had designed as an outdoor festival space. Uh, now they finally get to use it for outdoor festival type festivities. So basically what they're doing is they're setting up these squares where you can buy the squares. You're, you're buying like a plot of land in this performance area where you can have up to four people in your plot of land and you get to bring your own chairs, blankets, food, drinks, party favors, you get the gist. It's actually quite reminiscent. Uh, up until about 2017, there's this Spoleto Festival, which is an arts festival in Charleston. And the finale every year was held at Middleton Place. And it was a very, uh, it sounds very similar. Uh, well, you didn't buy your space at that. You just showed up. You could bring whatever you wanted. You could bring, you know, your your blankets, chairs, food, all that. And it turned into this rock and roll picnic every year. And it was so much fun. Uh, but they decided in, uh, I guess, 2018 to put an end to the fun. People were enjoying it too much. I don't know. I, I don't remember there being any major problems with it. Uh, but the people who owned the land said that it was uh, kind of getting trashed after every event. And uh, I could see that happening. But there might be more to it that I don't know. All I know is I haven't been to a finale since. They didn't have one this year. <laughs> but the band who I'm going to see with uh, three of my friends is Susto. And Susto is the band that the members of Babe Club used to play with. So that's the connection there. I'm super excited to, to be able to get to see an actual, you know, full band play a show outdoors. I think it'll be safe. Uh, if I don't feel safe, I can just get up and leave. 
you know, nothing's holding me there, but I, I, I'm just, I'm ready. I'm ready to, to see some live music again. It's been so long since I've seen like an actual band play, uh, live, you know, not streaming on my phone. So that's kind of exciting. One of the conversations that I had with Babe Club was talking about how people discover music and, and how it's, it's hard to get people to listen to new music. It's hard to go up to somebody and be like, hey, check out this song. Sometimes they're just not in the mood, you know, and I feel like music kind of chooses you when the time is right. One of the things I talked to them about, talked to the members of Babe Club about was I had seen Susto a few times before I ever actually started to pay attention to them. You know, I'd seen them play live and I just, they were good. I liked them, but I didn't, nothing really grabbed me about it until I saw them playing at a, at a local music store as a record release event for their second record. And I, it blew me away. I, I, I kind of got to see them in that environment, that intimate space. And then, you know, I was like, I became a big fan ever since that moment. But it's kind of funny how, how uh, if you're in the right place at the right time and the right song comes on, how it can be your favorite song from then on. You know, the, there'll be a song that you might otherwise think is terrible but will bring back such good memories. It'll be so imprinted in your uh, DNA so that whenever you hear that song, you think of something amazing or something awful or whatever it is, you have this memory attached to the song. I remember a friend of mine, we were in a bar and uh, I think it was Biggie Small, the, the, the Puff Daddy tribute to Biggie Smalls, where it's like the police every breath you take. And I was just kind of, I like made a joke saying like, oh, this is, this is so dumb. And he, and this guy who I didn't think would ever like a song like that. Like it just didn't, it was, it didn't fit. It just didn't make sense to me, but I was wrong. He, he stopped me and he said, Hey, you know, this song reminds me of a good friend of mine who passed away. They played the song at his funeral. And I, you know, I was kind of struck down. I, I was like, Oh, Oh, I'm sorry for insulting this song that meant so much to you. And I, I totally get that that whole sentiment. There, there are some of my favorite songs uh, that, I guess, you know, the idea of the guilty pleasure or, you know, the song that you like that that's kind of embarrassing, it's out of character for yourself, and you're just like, Oh no, yeah, I, I I really dig this song because it reminds me of X, and and it's it, it's definitely it's one of those art forms that can do that. But it does it seems so hard to try to get people to listen to a new band. I do find though, if you listen to say an interview with a band like Babe Club, like I just did, sometimes that can do it for you because you can listen to the person or the people in the band and get kind of an affection for them. You feel like you, you, you bind with them a little bit. You hear a little of their story of how they got to what they're, where they are, uh, a little bit about their process and their motivation, and that might be enough for you to go like, hmm, let me listen to this. Let me, let me, give, this, let me give this an actual, you know, a tentative listen and get into a band that way. I've gotten into bands that way. I've heard musicians... Uh, 
do an interview, say on like Mark Maron's podcast or something like that, that I might not be familiar with. And I, I will give them a listen. I'll be like, oh, wow, this is really good. I enjoy this. So hopefully if you don't know Babe Club, you listened to that podcast and heard some of the music that we did play during the podcast or sought it out yourself. And you're a fan because they are definitely worthy of a successful career in music. They are super talented. They're just so thoughtful and and dedicated and just nice people. They're, they're very cool. Speaking of music, I wanted to talk about this. This kind of, I saw this article this week that reminded me of something else. So I wanted to talk about this other thing. It was a Reddit post by a guy on Reddit. Reddit names are the best because they can the, people can write these beautifully crafted or or really sourced expert pieces of journalism it seems like. And then you look at their username and it's like this guy's name is They Took Her Jobs. They took her game. <laughs> they took her job. They took your job. <laughs> okay. Well, this uh, segment of the JWN podcast is brought to you by the Reddit user they took her jobs. They took our job. Kind of ruins everything. Or it enhances it, depending on they if you're a South Park fan or not. But it was an article uh, that he put together, or a post, I guess, a couple of months ago about Gibson guitars. And basically, Gibson kind of fell on hard times. They were really a mismanaged company for a long time, and they got snatched up by a private equity firm in 2018. Kind of saved them from completely... I guess they were in and they were in the throes of bankruptcy at the time. And it, it's this private equity firm called KKR. They're the fifth largest private equity firm in the world. And they used a policy called quantitative easing, which is something that was developed by the Fed during the last recession. The central bank was buying up all of this debt, basically just coming in and buying all of these companies. And this private equity firm used quantitative easing to basically take ownership of Gibson. For all intents and purposes, Gibson Guitars is owned by this private equity firm until they pay back their debt. So far, okay, I get it. They fell on bad times. This other company came in, bought up all their debt, and now pretty much owns them. The thing is, Gibson Guitars is uh, based in, in in Nashville, right? And I believe they have a, a factory in Montana or something like that as well. But they're registered as a in Delaware for tax purposes so they don't have to pay state income taxes. It's like a corporate tax safe haven. That's why a lot of companies will register in Delaware so they don't have to pay as much taxes. But even though they're registered in Delaware, the state of Tennessee gives them subsidies on the land for where their factory is. So they get almost $900,000 of subsidies uh, a year (laughs) for the land they own. Um, 
that's kind of money that they would owe to you know the citizens of Tennessee but they I guess the, the government decides okay we want you here we want you to be in Nashville so we're going to give you this so you stay here and you produce guitars here so far okay you know it is what it is so KKR the parent company on top of you know the the nearly nine hundred thousand dollars that Gibson gets as a subsidy. There are other companies, the subsidies that they get total up to about eighty million dollars. Now you have to understand that that's really screwed up. You know, if they were still privately owned companies and not owned by this equity company, that would be one thing. But now that they're technically owned by KKR. Uh, KKR has tens of billions of dollars in the bank. I mean, their whole their whole thing is they have tons of cash and they buy up these struggling companies. They don't need corporate welfare handouts. They just don't need it. So why are they still getting these subsidies when they have tons of money in the bank? Right? So they're kind of like grandfathered into these subsidies through these companies that they purchase. And that doesn't seem kind of cool, does it? They also got like millions in interest-free coronavirus relief loans for these companies. They don't need it, but they took these loans. They took all the money that they could. They got... so. These equity firms are supposed to not be allowed to get these loans, but because they buy up hospitals, because they buy up, you know, things that are part of the medical community, those companies make them eligible to get coronavirus relief funds. I might be messing up some of the details here. I I really, really, I'll put a link to the post from they took our job in the show notes. They took our job. Please go read it. He he references articles to all of this information. So if I mess it up, you can look it up and get the exact information because I'm just a dope with a microphone. One of the things that this uh, KKR company, since they've taken over Gibson, has done is they've really become they've become extremely heavy-handed in trying to, quote-unquote, protect the intellectual property of Gibson guitars. So basically, they're like patent trolls. (laughs) So they take anything that Gibson had done and has a patent for, and any other guitar manufacturer that has anything that looks like a Gibson guitar, they will go in and set them a cease and desist, or they'll try to get money from them to pay kind of royalties and they have done this countless numbers of times. They have launched a lawsuit against Dean Guitars, um, Kessel Guitars. Let's see, who else did they get? Heritage Guitars. Just these smaller companies. PRS is probably one of the bigger guitar companies that they've been in a, a, a fight with. And it's just, I mean, it's really, really, really damaging all of these other companies and the reason why they do that is because they want to look like Gibson Gu- Guitars has this strong portfolio of, you know, intellectual properties. 
basically Gibson guitar can go suck it. <laughs> they, they're just done, man. They're not Gibson guitar. You, if you go to the store right now and buy a Gibson or one of their other companies like Epiphone, which is the quote unquote budget Gibson guitar, which by the way is the, the guitar that I played for most of my career as a musician were, were Epiphones. I wouldn't purchase another Gibson product. And it's sad because I used to love Gibson products, but they're not Gibson anymore. They're like this slimy, greedy company that is just taking taking a once, you know, valued name, brand, and turning it into like the big bad wolf of musical instruments. But that's my opinion. You can go read the much more detailed and precise post from They Took Our Job. Damn it, they took our job! And see all of his references. And the reason why I thought of that, I, I hinted to this at the beginning of this little conversation, is that this week the New York Times posted an article about the guitar industry as a whole has had like a record year because of the pandemic right around the time where Gibson guitars was almost done and got bought out by this KKR. The Washington post wrote an article saying basically the guitar as we know it is just a dead instrument. Like rock and roll is dead. Guitar music dead. So this article in the New York times by Alex Williams has some interesting quotes in it. Um, we've broken so many records, Mr. Mooney said. It will be the biggest year of sales in Fender history. Record days of double-digit growth, e-commerce sales, and beginner gear sales. I never would have thought we would be where we are today if you asked me back in March. I mean, come on, man. That's crazy. I've been in the instrument retail business for 25 plus years, and I've never seen anything like it. Brendan Murphy, a senior salesman at Sweetwater, an online retailer of guitars and other instruments, wrote in an email in July. It feels like every day is Black Friday. So maybe there's hope that Gibson Guitars will make enough money to start paying off their debts. I hope so. I hope they can get out of the grip of this private equity firm, but I, I don't know. I mean, is that really the goal of these private equity firms? Do they want Gibson to get back on their feet again? And if they do, like what, what happens? Do they just, they go away, this private equity firm, but you know, what happens to the reputation? What happens to all of the bridges they've burned uh, while under the management and ownership of this private equ equity firm. I don't know. I don't, uh, America does love a redemption story, but come on, man, this is, that's a rough one, man. That's a rough one. It seems like the divide between the haves and the have nots is so far, like it's such a distance. Like you might think you're doing well and you've got money, you got a nice car, maybe even live in a nice neighborhood, you have a good job and whatnot. But but the my wife sent me this picture uh right before I recorded this podcast today. She was driving past a marina downtown 
And apparently there's this billionaire's yacht. I don't even want to call it a yacht. It's almost like, it's like half a cruise ship. It's huge. And the bottom part, like where the gangway would be, was open. And it looked like, it. to describe it properly, just picture like an old English tea party. Like this long dining room table and people in like white dresses and suits and big frilly hats. They were just sitting in this like gangway area for everyone to see the rich people enjoying their tea. And uh, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, that's great and all, but there's a huge divide between those people and maybe the couple that's living in a sailboat hooked up to the marina and that's like their home. (laughs) Yeah, I I, I don't know. I'm not jealous of people who, who do well and uh, are, are successful. But there is a resentment when they keep building their wealth and building it to the point where, like, what else can you do, man? What else can you do? When, they, when you suck all the air out of the room and there's nothing left for, you know, the plants to breathe, they're going to die. So, I don't know. Let's not get negative today. I feel like these solo shows have been having a tendency to get negative or sad or depressing. And and that's not me. Let's move along. Let's talk about something I'm very excited to talk about today. And that is, oh, let me just, I'm going to, I'm going to pause this and count because yesterday I counted and I was amazed. And let me see if it's gone up even since then. Okay. Yeah. So last week on the solo show, I told you there was 22 countries that have listened to this podcast. Well, in one week we have gone up. We're at now 34 countries, but there's one that has a special place in my heart. That's Poland. Poland was like the first country that popped up in the uh, in the stats, the geographic location stats on my podcast host where I went like, really? Poland? Okay. And that is uh, this, the, well, this is interesting. Instead of just going in and not knowing what the heck I was talking about, I couldn't pronounce the name of this, what I thought was maybe a city. Uh, here it is. Podlasie. Podlasie. Or is it? Podlasie. 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 So, it seems like there is a village in Poland, but it's very small. Like, it looked like um, very, very rural. But it's also a... Um, a province. It's kind of like a state in the United States, in the uh, the northeastern corner of the country. And I imagine that's where this is coming from. Unless it's some dude sitting in a farm, then heck yeah, dude, that's awesome. Or girl. Dudes can be girls. Just so you know. I subscribe to the uh, Good Burger definition of dude. I'm a dude. He's a dude. She's a dude. We're all dudes. Podlasie 
was actually uh, formed in 1999. That's very recent. You know, 21 years. That's that's really like not that long ago in the grand scheme of things. And there are two opinions regarding the origin of the region's name. People often derive it from the Slavic les or las, meaning forest, i.e. it's an area by the woods or in an area of forests, which would bring Palasia close in meaning to the adjacent Palasia. The theory has been questioned as it does not properly take into consideration the vowel shifts, yada 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 of the Slavic language, but the heavily wooded area is uh, home to the primeval Balwaisha forest and national park, habitat of the European Wisent bison and tarpon. So it's kind of, it sounds like a really wonderful place. It sounds kind of like, you know, a woodsy kind of farmy kind of place. It, it, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm fascinated now. So the geography is, is pretty, uh, pretty intense. I mean, it's, it looks like glaciers had a lot to do with uh, creating these hills and mountains. There's um, a lake, a lake area, uh, the Hilly Lake District. Doesn't that sound cool? just fantastic? Um, and then there's outwash plains with sand and gravel and clay. And there's vast forests, some of which are the only ones in Europe to have retained their original character. And they contain a unique wealth of flora and fauna. The vegetation of the region is extremely diverse, which contributes to the richness of the animal world. Visitors can see moose, wolves, lynx, and bison living in the forest. Podlasia has the lowest population density of the 16 Polish Voivodships. First of all, hold on a second. What is a Voivodship? Is that like the band Voivod? What is that? I don't know. Now, I'm going in deep here. Hold on a second. Okay, it's basically like a Polish word for province or state. But <laughs> it's spelled, it looks like the band Voivod and a ship at the end. But it's pronounced apparently Wojewatstu. I, I probably butchered that. I'm just going by the little thing that it says on the dang Google. I don't know. And the climate looks like it's pretty darn comfortable, you know? In the summer, it gets into, you know, the average is around the 70s, but it, gets, it can get up into the 90s. And then in the winter, it's, you know, in the low 30s. Uh, sounds like it could be a New England climate in American terms. The area is also the most diverse uh, of all the Polish states. Uh, basically, they have Polish people, Jewish people, Belarusians, Lithuanians, Ukrainians, Russians, Roma Romanians, uh, Philipp Philippians. I don't. That's. I don't even know what that is. If you're the person or people, it seems like there might be more than one because there's a percentage of people from that region, and then there's a percentage from other regions in Poland. That have listened to this podcast and you're still listening to this podcast and you're hearing this going why is this fool talking about this this area that of of northeastern poland please reach out to me tell me what's what tell me what life is like there i'm really genuinely interested because i'm sitting in my bedroom right now and you know life's a little weird these days it'd be nice to hear from somebody in poland so if you're in poland even if you're not in 
Padanashi. <laughs> I can't, I'm going to, I'm going to just ruin it every time I say it. But even if you're not from the northeastern part of Poland, send me an email, show at jwnpod.com. Hit me up on Instagram at Joe Latex, J-O-E-L, the number eight X. And uh, let me know what's going on in Poland these days. All right, folks, I have a fantastic guest on Monday that will publish. He's a tattoo artist. He owns a tattoo shop. He was mentored by uh, the famous Lou of Tattoos by Lou down in Miami. And uh, he's a friend. And it's a great, uh, great discussion. So I hope you tune into that. And by tune in, I mean like open up an app and download it on Monday. And I will talk to you soon. Have a great weekend. Or whenever you're listening to this, have a great then. See you.